0: Welcome to the Hard Skills Show with me, Dr. Mira Bronku, and today's guest is Wendy Gates-Corbett, and we'll be talking about the strategy behind creating a culture of belonging. So great to have you on the show, Wendy. And you're on mute. (laughs) Mira, I am delighted to be here. Thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. And... um, just you know i'm not sure what's happening this year for me um i used to be known as the person with the hardiest uh metabolism and the hardiest um you know um uh immune system and not getting sick ever like i was a person in the family that never ever got sick and now like i feel like every time i come on the show i have to say i'm sick again <laughs> i don't know what's happening this year so I apologize to everyone my voice is probably going to sound quite nasally, but um the the music did get me pumping so um on this show we discuss i love that the- intro music i was jammed thank you thank you yes it gets me going it gets me pumped yeah. <laughs> um So on The Hard Skills Show, Wendy, we discuss how to develop the nuanced hard skills needed to drive significant systemic change to make a real impact through your leadership. And I want the audience to really be ready for Wendy here and um, take some notes. I do. I always take notes. um, But when I listen to Wendy, you need to lean in um, because she's got so many like really thoughtful gold nuggets when it comes to this topic. And I really think out of all of the hard skills we talk about, belonging is one of the most critical these days, right, Wendy? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, Yeah. so um, really lean in. Let me just uh, share a little bit about Wendy. Wendy Gates Corbett is a best-selling author and belonging researcher. She works with organizations worldwide to identify the specific barriers that build belonging in the workplace communities. She is an international keynote speaker who has spoken to over 150,000 people and adjunct professor of leadership and management at Duke University. While she has worked in the organizational culture space for almost 30 years, her work on belonging stems from her personal journey as a biracial child growing up in a predominantly white neighborhood. So I'm curious to learn about that journey as well. Her book, The Energy of Belonging, Seventy-five ideas to spark workplace community highlights her research on belonging behaviors. It was released in January, and it's a number one bestseller in business management, HR and personnel management, organizational behavior, and organizational change categories. I'm so excited for you, Wendy. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's um, let's just start with like um, the basics here. Mm-hmm. What is your definition of belonging? I, I know there's a, kind of a lot of definitions out there. I'm curious, where are you coming at this from?
1: There there are a lot of definitions of belonging. And uh, what I found is I started researching into what contributes to a sense of belonging. I myself wanted a definition. So every article and every podcast I listen to all had their own definition, but it felt to me like there was something missing in each of those definitions. So I made up my own. Uh, That sort of pulls together what I thought worked in each of those. So my definition of belonging is that it is a result, it's an outcome, it's an emotion. It's what we feel when we feel welcomed, when we feel valued, when we feel seen by the people around us, when we feel safe to be our imperfect selves in front of other people without fear of losing our jobs or without fear of retribution. Um, And it also includes feeling a part of something that is meaningful to us that's larger than ourselves. So that's my, my definition of belonging in a big nutshell.
0: Yeah. Um, I like that a lot. I, um, I've never heard it said quite that way about feeling a part of something that's larger than ourselves. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense to add that, that it's not just like us um, feeling
1: valued, but also what are we, you know, a part of. Right, exactly. And that what we are a part of is making some kind of impact that we think is important.
0: Absolutely. So when we think about this experience within the world of work, Mm -hmm. right, um, what is it that makes it so hard to create that environment, that feeling of belonging?
1: It's not as hard as we think it is. Mm. Um, My experience tells me that we have a tendency to overcomplicate what it is we don't understand. And many of us think we don't understand belonging and so we make it incredibly complicated we think that it is a complicated construct it's vague it's nebulous. And what it actually is is an outcome of how we behave it's a result of human interactions and how we treat each other. So. That's actually the basis of my research. When I I went out searching for what behaviors create a sense of belonging, what behaviors contribute to us feeling a sense of belonging in our workplace communities. And what I found is that far from being complicated and complex, it is simple behaviors that actually contribute to a sense of belonging. So for example, what I found in, in all of the resources that I devoured as I was trying to understand what uh, wrap my own head around uh, belonging, what I found is that there is a lot that goes into contributing to a sense of belonging, but there were three consistent themes that I found in everything that I consumed. I discovered that we need to feel connected to the people we work with, and connected to our organization. Um, we need to feel respected by our peers and by our leaders and we need to feel protected. We need to feel safe to um, to be ourselves, to be seen as ourselves without major fear.
0: Yeah. Um, I wanna dig into all three of these, uh, but okay. before we do, I'm curious, how did you even get to this interest in belonging? Um, you know, I I read your bio, mm-hmm. and um, some of it has come from your own experiences uh, growing up as a biracial child in white neighborhoods. So I'm I'm sort of curious, how did you get to this uh, point based on your own
1: experiences growing up? Well, it's um it's been an interesting journey and quite unintentional. But just to, to give you a little bit of context for how much a role belonging has played in my own life, um, we need to go back to, uh, back to when I was born. Um, I am a biracial child. Uh, my biological father is black. My biological mother is white. I'm adopted by a white family, and the neighborhood in which we, we grew up was predominantly white. And I have always felt like I belong in my family. That's not where my uh, lifelong quest to belong comes from. I've never had a doubt that I belong in my family. But being in a predominantly white neighborhood, all of my friends were white. Uh, and so I had a, a next door neighbor uh, the neighborhood where I lived when I was five years old, um, one of my next door neighbors and I were were great friends, and there were times when we got along, and we got along great. Um, but when little girls got into fights, when when we got on each other's nerves, um, one of the things that Laura would say to me is, "You don't belong here, Wendy. You're mm-hmm. different." I internalized that thought. I internalized that to a point where that became my guiding belief. Mm. Um, I believed that if you thought that I was different from you, then I wouldn't belong. And all of this is unconscious or subconscious. I I didn't know that I had internalized that belief, but that belief led every single one of my behaviors um, until I was about 35 years old. Um, I always tried to I I was the, the eternal chameleon, you know, trying to convince you that I'm the same as you, whether you were smart and applied yourself in school or you didn't, whether you were athletic or not, um, when it comes to class, you know, socioeconomic status, I was always trying to convince you that I was like you. And that meant that I was on, on high alert all the time because I had to, to, um, figure out whether I had been convincing you. And then if I had, great, I had to make sure that you were still convinced. As a result of that, I was never myself. I didn't realize this, but I was never myself. I was always who I thought you thought that I was. Um, I was never seen as a leader in my professional setting because I was always afraid to voice my opinion. Mm -hmm. Because what if my opinion was different from yours? so that's how uh, that's that's the basis of my experience with belonging um and i i was not aware of any of this until i had an experience at a stoplight when i was about 35 years old and everything was fine in my world there was no drama i was by myself and i, I pull up at a stoplight and on one side of me is a car of black women And on the other side of me is a car of white women and out of nowhere i flipped out because i didn't know who to try to be like Mm. all right i had this identity crisis at a stoplight induced by my own thinking trying to fit in with strangers who had no idea that i even existed Um, and that was when i realized how much The you don't belong here, you're different statement um, contributed to who I was. And at that point, I started to shift very slowly, but very steadily shift my thinking of and my concern, my guiding concern about what you think about me and who you think I am. And I started to become who I really am. What a powerful powerful
0: story. I um I was really drawn to it both from a personal level um and you know my own experiences of belonging and I'm sure that when people listen to this they'll resonate in their own way from their own stories of belonging or not exactly. belonging, right? Yeah. And um how interesting that that's the moment that came up for you. You know, each person probably can think of like the moment it came up for them as well. So when we come back um, from the break, which is mm-hmm. coming up, mm-hmm. I would love to hear, you know, more about um number one, how did you sort of blossom out of that? How did how did you know you you had your sort of revelation. And then what, you know, what did it take? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, get diving into those three themes that you started talking about and how others can do that and apply it to the themselves, um, their leadership and their organizations after sure. this break. So, um, we're entering the ad break. You're listening to the hard skills with me, Dr. Mira Bronco and our guest, Wendy Gates Corbett. We air on Tuesdays at 5 PM Eastern. If you'd like to join us online and ask questions, you can um, on LinkedIn or YouTube at TalkRadioNYC, And we'll be right back with our guest in just a moment.
2: Are you a conscious co-creator?
0: Are you a high achieving growth oriented leader? Are you interested in developing your authentic leadership while creating a healthy, inclusive workplace? Hi, I'm Dr. Mira Broncu, host of The Hard Skills on talkradio.nyc at 5 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays, where we discuss how leaders develop the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. We interview experts, have live coaching, and tackle these challenges. Listen to The Hard Skills on Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Welcome back to the hard skills with me, Dr. Mira Branku, and our guest today, Wendy Gates Corbett, and we're talking about the energy of belonging. And um, Wendy, you just got done sharing a really powerful story, your Mm -hmm. own story of belonging, and um, that pivotal moment when you realized um, that you were butting up against your own sort of internalized, uh, you know, um, uh, feeling of lack of belonging. Mm -hmm. And so the first question for me is how did you get out of that I think a lot of people would want want to know for themselves as well like what it what it takes to move um, to a different place with this.
1: Well, I, it's something that I still work on continually I am not um, cured of a fear of not belonging, because I think it's it's universal. Um, yeah. What. What I found that worked for me is um, at that stoplight, I heard a voice in my head that said, what about me? What do I like? What do I want to do? And those questions helped me crawl outside of your head and back into my own. And so what I did is, as I would realize, start to realize that I was starting to think, oh, I wonder what they think about me. I, w- I bet they think I'm you know, fill in the blank. As I started to have um, those thoughts, I would ask myself, what about me? And That would help me pause that train of thought, that spiraling into over-concern about what other people are thinking about me and what what box they're putting me in. Um, And so those questions remind me to stay within my own head, and to focus on being who I am. And those questions really inspired me and spurred me to start blossoming, to be the real person that I am. As I started doing that, I actually started meeting a totally different kind of people. And I I became friends with and did work with and still do um, have people in my life who are the kinds of people I've wanted to attract in my life in the first place? Mm. So it is continual. It's, you know, I still have a, a um, questions. I still have times when I feel like I don't belong. And those are times when I, I tap into my own heart. I soothe my spirit and remind myself um, that I have value simply by being me, not any value that you place on me. Powerful, powerful, Wendy.
0: Um, it's making me think of a couple of things. Number one, just my own journey of um, you know, we came to this country as as immigrants and um the the place that we moved to in some ways was a good thing for for me and my family because it was in a place in New York full of immigrants. And so um English was not a first language for most of us. Um, on the other hand, you know as um, we grew up and and uh, we moved to other areas, um, that wasn't always the case. And so um, this questioning of belonging did come up for me many, many times. Um, and it's interesting how different people like deal with this, right? Like mm-hmm. there are people who turn into chameleons, just like you, mm-hmm. and um, they could just figure out how to fit in everywhere. And for, for me, um, I'm in the camp of, um, no, I'm not going to be like anybody at all. And I'm not going to even let you in. And it's going to be really hard to k- get in with mm-hmm. me, <laughs> you know? And it's a very, like, it's a total defense mechanism, just like the chameleon thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not allowing ourselves to be connected one way or another, but instead putting some kind of barrier, whether it's, I'm going to pretend I'm somebody I'm not, or I'm going mm-hmm. to not let you in at all. It's still a wall, Right some kind of like, um, difficulty, um, or, or creating a lack of connection, actual feeling of connection. And it sort of, um, gets me into this first of your three phases connection, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, the first, um, theme is getting connected to, um, people within your organization and the organization itself. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you create that experience?
1: Well, the um the, the way that i sought to answer that question was um, i wanted to identify what behaviors i wanted to share the behaviors that help us create connection and i assumed that the answers were already out there that somebody else had already figured it out so i was scouring everything i could find and didn't see any any resources that were geared directly towards the largest audience in in an organization, the frontline employees. I saw some information related to um, and relevant to leaders. I saw um, resources geared towards HR and talent development, organizational development, but I didn't see significant resources identified in targeting frontline employees. So I do what I usually do when I have a question about what is it that, that um, helps you I asked my network. I started asking other people, what's one thing that your colleagues do that help you feel connected to them? What's one thing that your leader does that shows that they see you or that they express interest in you? So I created a survey called the Belonging at Work Survey that is open-ended questions that's designed to crowdsource behaviors that build Connection, respect, and um, and a sense of protection. So when it comes to creating connection, again, we we tend to overcomplicate um, what it is that creates connection. We think that many of the leaders that I work with think, oh, it's going to take a you know an offsite half day retreat or um, you know a multi thousand dollar budget or an organization wide cultural transformation initiative. When it could not be farther from the truth, it is simple behaviors that create a sense of connection. And it's demonstrating interest in what's going on in your life. Um, You know, how was your weekend or creating time in a team for team meetings, occasionally, not even every single meeting, but occasionally adding a couple minutes to a meeting to, Invite a couple people to share um, a story about one of the photos on their phone. You know, one of the last ten pictures on your phone. Tell us about it. Or if there is um, a holiday coming up, like for example, we're about to celebrate the Chinese New Year. In the class that I teach at Duke, many of my my students are Chinese, so um, I can tell you that on Monday I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a couple of our students if they'd be willing to to explain the um the meaning behind chinese new year demonstrating an interest in their culture so these are really simple behaviors that don't have to take a long time that demonstrate interest in learning more about the person and i want to clarify that that doesn't mean that that um, we're violating privacy or um, pushing a boundary a personal boundary of how much someone wants to um, share about themselves. But it's creating an invitation for you to be as known as you want to be.
0: It's um bringing up something that I am realizing so so, um one of my jobs is within a large organization, and um on that team. There are a few people who are really, really good at this connection thing. And so they started something just literally just probably because it it comes naturally to them, you know, Mm -hmm. grassroots stuff. It wasn't started by leaders every Monday. They put like a little fun emoji about happy Monday. Right. And so recently um, they did one where uh, they said, hola, you know, and then another person chimed in. And all of a sudden, like we were all saying um, good morning in a different language. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that was like literally an international formal language, but sometimes Mm -hmm. it was like a vernacular, like I'm from the Midwest. I'm going to say, Hey y'all, you know, (laughs) and all of a sudden we got to know each other from a very simple, like grassroots exercise. It just came naturally, right? Yes. That's a perfect example. (laughs) And it was organic. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, totally organic. Okay, so, um, let's move into your second theme, respected by peers and leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I feel like the the themes that you have they move into, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, harder and harder to achieve. And um, feeling respected, I think, is harder to achieve than feeling connected. So I'm curious to hear what you learned
1: about this one. We feel respected when we sense that what we contribute to an organization, to our department, to a project is seen as valuable um, and is recognized. When we are appreciated, when someone says, thank you. You know, when someone asks for our advice, Oh my gosh, really? And you, you know, you want my advice about um, about slides or about lighting in your office or where to go to to adopt a kitten. You know, it doesn't even have to be work related. So it is when we feel like the time that we commit to an organization, the sacrifices we make, um, and the talent that we bring are recognized and appreciated by our peers and our leader or leaders.
0: And how would you separate? So in in my eyes, I see recognition and respect as as different. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can respect people, but not necessarily recognize them publicly or whatever and vice Mm -hmm. versa. So um, how
1: do you see them as as different? I agree that you can have one without the other, um, but, But recognizing someone's contribution or acknowledging someone's contribution, their skills, their talents, um, and their time, you can do that without respecting them. But it is by acknowledging the the way that they, the impact that their skills have had on the project, on the department, on the organization um, can go a long way in saying, the talents and skills you bring are making an impact here um, and are respected here. Yeah. So you can also, you can go ahead. I was going to just like put a highlight on
0: the fact that you just said, you can technically recognize without respecting and people know it when you do it. So don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like there are some leaders that like, um, sort of re like, Oh, you I'm supposed to recognize people. It's so annoying. Like, I really don't like mm-hmm. spending all this time recognizing every single person. And so then they do it, um, in a way that you can, you can feel it's annoying to them. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And if it's not coming from a place of true, like belief in others, um, or a value of what they yes. bring, that is <laughs> not respectful. People
1: get people feel it. (laughs) Oh yeah. And that does more damage than doing nothing is to try to play it off. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: So, um, we're getting into another ad break when we come back, I really want to get into this, um, uh, final theme of protected, Mm -hmm. feeling protected. Um, you're listening to the hard skills with me, Dr. Mira Bronco and our guest Wendy Gates Corbett. We air on Tuesdays at 5.00 PM. Eastern And we'll be right back with our guest in just a moment.
2: Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on TalkRadio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on TalkRadio.nyc. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explored the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asnell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape driving companies from startups to establish businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and intangify your business today. Were you an essential worker during the pandemic? If you needed to learn stages of epilepsy, did you depend on advocates? Did you use new innovations to cope with mental and neurological issues? Maintaining high quality of life and keeping good mental health are what we all strive for. I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each week, top healthcare influencers, professionals, and innovators answer these questions and more. Stay tuned on Thursdays at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will continue to be frank about health with all of you.
1: You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day.
0: Welcome back to The Heart Skills with me, Dr. Mirabranku and Wendy Gates-Corbett. Um, we are now talking about the third of a three-part model that she developed for creating a sense of belonging and extracting the energy from that. Um, that third part, I feel like, is by far the hardest, which is creating a sense of feeling protected in the organization. So, um, I can't wait for you to tell us a little bit more about how to do this well.
1: Well, fortunately, this is um, an area where there is already a lot of research and a lot of resources. This is very closely related to psychological safety, which I am thrilled is really front and center in organizational culture work. Um, When it comes to feeling protected, that is... um, when we feel like we, we know that we're imperfect. I know that I am not a perfect being. I know that I have some strengths and I know that I have some weaknesses. And many of us feel like there are neon signs pointing to our weaknesses. And we are afraid that our weaknesses will be used against us or that we'll be punished for them or, or um, they are a threat to us. We're afraid you're going to find out about them. But when we are um, in a protected space, when there is a um, psychological safety that is built on trust, interpersonal trust, then we know that we can be our imperfect selves. We are comfortable being willing to raise our hand and say, I have a question. I don't quite understand this, or I need some help, or I have a concern. Or I have a really crazy idea. I just want to throw it out there and see what you think. Uh, That happens when we are comfortable or not as uncomfortable being vulnerable. So one of the things that we can do to create safe space is create a um, model, the behavior by being willing to be vulnerable about something. Now, I'm not saying um, go all into the deep end with what you're vulnerable about. Um, One of of my favorite examples of of creating a space of vulnerability is having a failure party where we all share one of the, the, oh my gosh, I can't believe I sent another email where I forgot to send the attachment or I hit reply all instead of just reply where, uh, where a couple of people, not even everybody, but a couple of people share some of their recent uh, errors or mistakes, and then we can all laugh about it. And there is that release when you are no longer holding on to the shame of that, uh, that last email. Um, it is creating a space where we are willing to be vulnerable. And that happens when somebody somebody's gotta start yeah, yeah. Um,
0: you know, I, I, um, in some ways, I see leaders getting better at this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, um, we know about um, Patrick Lencioni's five behaviors of a dysfunctional team, and um, he says that the um, greatest challenge that you know leaders must overcome is their need for invulnerability. Mm -hmm. And, um, I see many leaders, especially within the mission driven organizations that I work in servant leader types, you know, Mm -hmm. they lean into this, um, pretty well. Unfortunately, what I'm finding is now, um, uh, they sometimes have to deal with employees who can be bullies. Mm. And, um, this has me scratching my head a little bit, you know, like, it's one thing when a leader is a bully, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we already know clearly that it that is that is going to affect the entire team. It affects the entire organization. Um, when you have like one employee starting in to to sort of bully other um, team members, for mm-hmm. example, on a team, right? Um, sometimes um, the leader in that situation needs to protect the other team members yes and doesn't always do it or doesn't always do it well and i'm sort of curious about have you seen this what would you sort of suggest or recommend
1: in those kind of situations i absolutely agree that when there is bullying behavior or any any inappropriate behavior that goes unchecked can um, absolutely contributes to the lack of safety or a lack of protection. Um, it violates a sense of protection. So one of the um, one of the seventy five ideas that are shared in the book is to be willing to confront behavior that uh, threatens the the psychological safety of a space. I absolutely think that a lot of leaders need practice having these kinds of difficult conversations where they are diplomatically um, addressing someone's inappropriate or bullying behavior. And if it's not going to be a leader, then someone else in the group can step up. And even if it's saying Mira, I don't appreciate the way that I don't appreciate the tone of that joke that feels offensive to me. Um, I'm I'm gonna step out of this conversation. you know um, so there are ways to step into the discomfort of having an uncomfortable conversation, but it is absolutely necessary that someone step up and address inappropriate or bullying behavior.
0: Yeah. I yeah. do think it's one of the hardest skills. I mean, one of the hardest skills for most leaders. Yes. Um, and one of the most important, if you're going to um, finish off this framework for belonging, mm-hmm. right? It's one of the most important to be able to do effectively. Um, and if that means getting a coach, if that means, you know, getting a consultant to help you, getting a book, you know, on how to do this, crucial mm-hmm. conversations, Right. Um, there are um, ways to practice at lower levels to get to the point where you could do it really well at higher levels.
1: Yes. Yes. I agree. This is, it's a difficult conversation to have absolutely for leaders, but also for any of us. It's for any of us. Yes. um, Totally. Yeah. So um,
0: let's talk about the, so your book is not just on belonging. It's on the energy of belonging. Mm -hmm. What um, how how do you see belonging dr- like putting energy into an organization and driving results and outcomes? Because a lot of leaders are like, "Why should I care about belonging?" Like, mm-hmm. you know, we we got work to do here. Right. <laughs> right.
1: Well, it sounds for many people it sounds woo woo. Um, especially because I've I've landed on the energy of belonging. I understand where um people who tend to think that belonging is woo woo or or soft or fuzzy, fluffy. Uh, but there is significant research that shows that when there is a sense of psychological safety, when there is a stronger sense of belonging that in an organization, those organizations are 75% more creative, more innovative. They um, are better problem solvers. They are more productive and they are more profitable. Um, so there are bottom line impacts um, to when there is a stronger sense of of belonging in an organization. And I, I landed on the concept of energy of belonging because think about, um, imagine a team that you've been a part of where there is a strong sense of belonging, where you can feel each other kind of, um, I, I envision people wrapped around on their elbows are, are linked, even if it's a virtual team where there is that sense of connection, where you know that your colleagues have your back, um, where they know that you have their back, there is an energy that is produced that contributes to the productivity, the creativity, uh, the problem solving, the um, and the output, when that energy exists. The opposite is also true. When When the energy of belonging is missing, or when that strong sense of belonging is missing, there are negative consequences um, that also contribute to the bottom line. So it is, um, since belonging is the result of human interactions, when those interactions are positive, that creates that positive momentum and positive outcomes, uh, profitable outcomes. And the opposite is also true. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, you know, we just think about our own lives, right? Like when we don't feel any connection or belonging in an organization, or in fact, we start feeling pushed out, ignored, Mm -hmm. invalidated, undervalued, we're going to go. We're going to go. And um, you lose really talented people when that happens. Well,
1: I also want to point out that we don't necessarily go. (laughs) That's true there's we, a problem if we go uh-huh and there's a problem if we don't go that's right
2: yeah, yeah
0: we we could we could sit and just um uh start um turning into weeds where yes. we drag and everybody infect, down with
1: us in fact our toxicity can mm-hmm. become infectious absolutely. so it's not just a retention problem that's right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a, a different fil- kind inf- of retention problem. It's an infiltration infiltration problem, right? <laughs> um, and you know, just uh again to like bring this to a practical level when you think about um if I feel and you feel, if we all feel like we really belong here and our ideas are valued and supported, um it's going to be easier for us to exchange ideas without worrying about people judging us. Mm -hmm. And when those ideas are starting to be exchanged, that's how the creativity expands. That's how the problem solving improves. That's how you end up driving more and better results. That's where the profits come from.
1: That's right. And we are invested in ideas that are put forward, even if they're not our own. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: we're reaching another ad break. You're listening to The Hard Skills with me, Dr. Mira Broncu and our guest, Wendy Gates Corbett. We'll be right back in just a moment. Are you a high-achieving, growth-oriented leader? Are you interested in developing your authentic leadership while creating a healthy, inclusive workplace? Hi, I'm Dr. Mira Broncu host of The Hard Skills, on talkradio.nyc at 5 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays where we discuss how leaders develop the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. We interview experts, have live coaching and tackle these challenges. Listen to the hard skills on Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Welcome back to The Heart Skills with me, Dr. Mira Brancu, and our guest, Wendy Gates-Corbett. Now, we have um, talked all about the different ways that you can engender belonging and how um, clearly you can sort of track that your organization, your company can do incredibly well <clears throat> in terms of its results, its outcomes. profitability, creative, innovative products and services, when you can put in place these three pillars of connectedness, respectedness, and protectedness, right? And um, so we can see that um, if you target the root cause, it has an effect on the output, right? And so some leaders might wonder, um, can this be measured? Can can I put in place some of these things and measure progress of belonging? It seems kind of difficult to do. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that.
1: We can definitely measure um, uh, the, the um, impact of and degree of belonging. Um, One of the ways that I, I encourage the organizations I work with to use is to tap into their engagement surveys. There are, indicators of belonging that they're probably already measuring. So I know that I don't want to add to yet another um, source of measurement. So I often look at the engagement survey questions. Several of the organizations I'm working with now, where um, we're getting we're reading through um, and editing some of their engagement um, survey questions. But you can look at the questions that that reflect um, some of the Gallup questions. Do you have a, a best friend at work? Um, do you have do you feel your manager uh, recognizes your you know your uh, your contributions, um, the degree of trust that you feel? So there are questions that are already being asked in many organizations that we can look at as measures of um, of belonging. That's great. Um, so
0: if people want to learn more about how to work with you around this, where can they find you?
1: Well, you can find me on my website is wendygatescorbett.com. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn. And as, um, as one of the things that I do, um, one of the things that, that I do on my LinkedIn profile is I, every single day I, um, I post a tidbit of, from my survey responses, from my research, single, simple things that people can do to create a stronger sense of connection, respect, or, or protection. So um, every single day, there is a tidbit, an idea that you can, um, you can either implement right away or use it to, to spark some a creative um, change, or, a cre- another creative idea, a riff on that idea.
0: Awesome. Um, If you're watching live or the recording, I am showing wendygatescorbett.com, C-O-R-B-E-T-T.com, her amazing, beautiful website here where you can find um, why belonging, for example, and um, she gives, you know, a really um, good recap of what we just talked about, right? Um, and you can see what other, uh, presentations and media, um, that she talks about the energy of belonging there. Um, and then you have, another website here Mm -hmm. as well. You want to share about this, this one?
1: Yep. My other, my other website, uh, my company name is Signature Presentations and that website is signature-presentations.com. There's some information about my belonging work, um, but also there is um, information about presentation kind of consulting that I do.
0: Awesome. All right. So I want to just share a little bit more about your website. I'm just going to go back to this. And um, you mentioned um, where where can people find the. you mentioned an assessment
1: or questionnaire. Is
0: that right?
1: Um, uh, yes, it's it's in the um it's posted in the book. And actually oh, they, the book. Can, um, they can get the book on Amazon. Right. Um but one of the things that I want to point out is that my my whole reason for writing the book and doing the research is to make belonging doable. Um so it is my hope that you you read some of the, the 25 ideas that you can use to connect with your colleagues and be like, really? It's this simple? Because the answer is yes, it is that simple. Um, so one of the things that you can do as a leader is in an upcoming team meeting is to ask, have your have your team comp- fill in the blank. One thing that my colleagues do that help me feel connected to them is, or I feel Uh, I feel particularly vulnerable or unsafe when um, and then have people share their responses. You can even do it anonymously. Um, The survey that I distribute when I work it with organizations is anonymous so that people feel comfortable um, being uh, being transparent Um, and then use those responses to generate more uh, to generate ideas for how you can build a, a stronger sense of belonging.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's um, because of the fact that, I mean, you you started saying it because of the fact that people overcomplicate this, they then don't know where to start with just asking simple questions yeah. um, of their employees and their staff and their leaders. Um, I'm also thinking about... Um, sometimes leaders are lonely and sometimes they don't feel a sense of belonging. I'm sort of curious about your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, it's um, when I work with organizations, sometimes a, a leader will reach out to me and say, my, my direct reports um, need a, you know, a, a, I wanna encourage a stronger sense of, of belonging in my direct reports with, with these people. And I always start with the leadership, the highest level that I can access. I want to start with that leader group mm-hmm. um, because, particularly because many leaders think that really, do I have to invest, you know, time, resources, effort, and and when we have the conversations of, really, you too, oh my gosh, it's not just me. When those leaders are willing to be vulnerable with each other, the connection that that comes from that, um, the energy that comes from that um, is palpable. And then they are much stronger advocates um, and better champions for uh, for fostering, for being willing to say, this is what I want to do. I want to make an effort for us to strengthen the sense of belonging here. And I'd like your help. Are you willing? I could really use your help. Um, Will you help me please? You know, so oftentimes leaders um, feel like they have to have all the answers, but when a leader is willing to say, I don't have all the answers. And I'm asking um, for your guidance or for your input, you know, it actually creates a a stronger sense of, of connection.
0: Yeah. 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 And it, it these days, when it's more important than ever before to have strong leadership teams, not just one individual leader, mm-hmm. but in you know, leadership teams um, who can drive the teams of teams, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's where it starts with it starts with them feeling a sense of belonging and them yes. feeling a sense of connection amongst them and them feeling. Uh, sense of protection and respect among them. And it's a trickle down effect. I mean, there's research on that, that Mm -hmm. there's a trickle down effect. So out of all the things that we talked about, what is one final thing that you want people to take away out of all the things that we talked about? So many, what is one thing you want people to take away from today?
1: Wherever you sit in an organization, wherever you sit in your organization, you have the power and the ability to contribute to a sense of belonging in um, in your colleagues and they will appreciate it. So you have the power, you have the authority, you have the time, you have the budget, and now you have some ideas.
0: What a wonderful message. It's all within us. I mean, this is completely within our, out of all of the things that are not in our control, this is the one thing that is in our control that we can help other people people feel a sense of belonging around us in our sphere of influence exactly yeah thank you again wendy for uh coming on and thank you talk radio.nyc for hosting and we'll be um, back with you next tuesday with another episode of the hard skills